Hey everybody, this is Chad. Thanks a lot for tuning back in no matter what day you're listening to this. Hey, guess what? I hope it's going great. Look at me with my positivity. Isn't that something? Um, I have some dates uh, just to start things off. I'm going to be at Acme this weekend. Uh, Those are sold out, but I wanted to say thank you to everybody that bought tickets. I'm going to be recording my album and uh, it just means a lot that you guys did that. And uh, super excited for Maynard to hear this hour for the 12th time. I'm going to be in Arlington, Virginia at the Draft House, March 18th through 20th. I'm going to be in Irvine, California at the Improv, April 2nd and 3rd. I'm going to be in Tempe, Arizona, April 14th. I'm going to be in Phoenix, Arizona at Stand Up Live. So Tempe's the Improv, Phoenix is Stand Up Live. That's April 15th. It's confusing because it's the same city. I don't even think I'm changing hotels, but it is two different clubs. Salt Lake City, I'm going to be at Wise Guys Downtown, April 16th and 17th. Oklahoma City, Bricktown Comedy Club, I'm going to be there April 27th and 28th. Denver, Colorado, I'm going to be at Comedy Works South location April 29th to May 1st. I'm going to be in Spokane, Washington, where comedy came crashing to an end. March 11th for me last year, it is my return. May 12th, I will be in Spokane, Tacoma, Washington. I will be there at the Tacoma Comedy Club May 13th through 15th. Looking forward to seeing everybody. I hope you guys are staying healthy. Um, This show is going to be, as I said last week, this is the first first time we've had someone on that that is not in stand-up comedy. Their profession is not comedian. And I am thrilled to have our guest on. He is one of my best friends in the whole world, and he has been for a very long time. Um, I met him You know, not to be like, no, my life sucks. But I met him at a time in my life where I needed a great friend. And boy, did I find one in this guy. So I hope you guys enjoy the show. When I asked him to do it, he said, nobody wants to hear about my stupid life. But I think his life is fascinating. And and more than that, I just wanted to sit down and have a drink with my pal and uh, and chit-chat. So uh, that's it. I hope you guys enjoy the show and uh, hang around afterwards. I have a couple more things that I'm going to add. Thank you so much. Hey, music. Hey everybody, this is Chad Daniels and you have landed in the middle of somewhere. I don't have to bullshit you about Mike Cronin anymore. That is in the books. You've heard it. It's wonderful. I promised you last week We are going to have our first non-comedian guest. I am looking forward to it. And I picked this day particularly because although we are recording on a Friday, it's coming out Monday, March 1st. So if I may just dust off the pipes quickly. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear secret guest, best man in my wedding. Happy birthday to you. Now, it's his birthday, and here's something interesting. It's my birthday. When you're listening to this, if you're listening on March 1st, it's my birthday, March 2nd. So what we have done for years and years is we have, he lives in L.A., I live in Minnesota, so there's a two-hour window where it is both our birthdays at the exact same time. So we will call each other, and we will do a shot 
for the last, let's see, we were 2021, now we're 45, 46. So that's 25 years, Jesus Christ. All right, we have hit a milestone. And we have another 25 anniversary thing we're going to talk about later. But here's what I want to do. I want to set this story up because I, I, and this is going to sound like, oh, poor Chad. Listen, everybody knows I have had a fucking charmed life, okay? I bitch about stuff. I make mountains out of molehills. There's no doubt. But I was, I moved out to California when I was 21 years old. And it did not go how I wanted it to, right? It, I, I moved out there, uh, the initial part anyways. I moved out there uh, with one of my, you know, absolute best friends, almost like a brother from high school. And uh, he didn't like it. So he moved back right away. And that, you know, that was not great. And then, you know, I get some of my other buddies calling me like, hey, I don't know if you know about this, but so and so is making out with so and so. And it fucking sent me spinning. So, um, so I, I, I worked at this place called Claim Jumper in Rancho Cucamonga, California. And I just hated it. I didn't know that, you know, back then, I hate to say back then when I was 21, but honestly, 25 years ago, there wasn't all this talk about anxiety and depression and that shit. So when you just felt like, oh, I'm fucking sad for three weeks. All right, this will lift, right? Feels like winter back home. So you get, you know, you don't know anyone. And I'm living with this family. And honestly, you know, universe bless this family because they were so kind to me. But it's still, it sucks when you don't have, um, you know, just like friends like you feel like you grew up with, right? So <clears throat> I, I'm with these claim jumper guys and I'm telling you, I don't know. You know how when you hear like, oh, this, this young person had sex with this older person for the first time and you're like, why would they do that? I can tell you because they're needy and fucking lonely because I was needy and lonely when I was working at Claim Jumper and all these people from Claim Jumper go, Chad, we're going to the beach. You want to come? And I was like, oh, fuck. Yes, finally, something. So I go to this beach thing and uh, and it just, you know, it's like, well, I don't really know anybody here. It was pretty lame. And uh, this guy that played, he told me he played polo at USC. I don't believe it. And you won't either after you hear this next part. But he was like, who wants to challenge me to swim as far out in the ocean as they can? And I was like, I will. Now, I want to be very clear about something. I was not in any way like trying to die. I need to be very clear about that. You ever been in a place in your life where you're like, I'll just, I'm a little riskier than normal because I kind of don't give a fuck, right? And you're just like, if I'm going to do something crazy, this is the time in my life. So I swam out as far as I could. And we were talking for a while. And then I just didn't hear him anymore. And I was like, well, I guess I won. I mean, I didn't know if he went under. And then I started to panic a little bit. So I was thinking like, did I get caught in a riptide? I mean, this is the dumbest, one of the dumbest fucking things I've ever done. I was like, did I get caught in a riptide? And am I like on my way to another continent right now? But I, find, I started swimming back and I swam sideways because that seemed to be the le least resistance. And then I ended up getting back to the beach and I was a mile away from the campfire. I mean, I'm telling you, I must have been fucking out there. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm just not in a good headspace. About two weeks later, I sign up for this extra, like you can be an extra in TV shows and stuff. And it was a, a, an extra agency, I guess you'd call it. And they called me and they said, we have a part for you in, uh, my, is it Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? Morphin Mighty Power? What, the Power Ranger TV show. And they're like, you're going to get makeup 
and you're gonna you're gonna be in a fight and I was like this sounds awesome and then I called him the next day I was just bummed out about life and I go I don't really want to leave the house and then the next day they called and they're like listen we know that you didn't do that thing we have a movie with uh so I go to this movie they, they offer me this this extra role in this movie it's got Julia Louise Dreyfus it's got Billy Crystal and it has Robin Williams and it's called Father's Day. And I'm like, I'm going, fuck this. I'm gonna go see famous people. And so I go there, I'm in line and we're showing our IDs to get in. And I see some New York driver's licenses right next to me. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, our guest, the best man in my wedding, even though I was just co-best man in his wedding. Just kidding, your dad is awesome. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's Christian Everhard, everybody. Whoa, buddy. Good what to do see you. Think? What a setup. Unbelievable. Yeah, I know. It's like, <laughs> hey, the worst times in my life. <laughs> so I hope you like this guest the that was part of the worst time ever. With a New York license. And here he is. The least yeah, interesting. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, dude. No, but, you know, but I, I, go ahead. You want to hear something crazy? 25 years we've known each other and we've told this story probably a million times of how we met. I did not know the Power Ranger side of the story of how you ended up at Father's Day. And what, what we didn't get into yet, and I'm, I'm sure we will, is the synchronicity of how we realized on that day that we're basically like the same human being, just right. born a, a year apart. But do you know that I was meant, they did the same exact thing happened. I was meant to go to the Power Rangers thing. Oh, fuck same you. fucking company bro are you serious i swear to god and i didn't do it i forget why now i didn't do it um but i didn't do it oh my god and i didn't i never knew that so we were meant we were meant somehow we were our paths were meant to cross and the universe is like all right well we strike one thank god strike we didn't have strike two and it happened so it create i can't believe it i yeah, so, so we see the different licenses and i can't remember who it was but somebody goes oh another out of towner or something we start talking, you, you were there with someone and you were like, hey, uh, who are you here with? And I go, I'm out here by myself. You're like, ah, come hang out with us. And we tried so fucking hard to get in. And I think I've probably told parts of this story before, but we tried so hard to get into this movie. We had, <laughs> we move, every time they would cut and reset the actors to redo the scene, we would move to a different location to up the odds of us getting in and just totally fucked the movie. Cause when we watched it, there was no extras were shown. No, I think they- and it's probably cause we editor. were in every scene. <laughs> the editor's like, oh my God, we can't use anything. <laughs> Who are these fucking, idiots? <laughs> they stole pizza boxes and they're having a fake fight in the crowd. Oh my God. That oh, it's so weird. incredible. That's so much fun. I mean, bro, and like, it was just one thing after another, wasn't it? It was, you know, we looked at the license and then, you know, when's your birthday? March first. Right. No shit. My birthday is March second. And then yep. the craziest thing, the John Gotti picture. That was insane. So so what would happen then is another dark spot in this time is I got my car repossessed because I was like, no one has written me a letter from home. There's no fucking way anyone's gonna be able to find me not paying for my car. And then one day I saw a guy unloading all the shit from my car. And I was like, hey, what are you doing? And he goes, uh, repossessing. And he like kind of showed me a pistol. And I was like, all right, man, I'm just, 
He goes, here's the deal. I'll give you all your stuff if you give me your keys. And I was like, all right, fair deal. So I didn't have a car even. So you guys would drive from Huntington Beach, which was hour and a half, maybe without traffic. Yeah, and you would come get me and you would bring me back to Huntington Beach. And this is when I felt like, okay, California is finally making sense because what we would do uh, is you had this great apartment complex that had this gigantic pool and then a fire pit down some stairs off to the side of it. And we would just go drink Mickey's grenades. Yes. By the 36 rack. I mean, it was absolutely if i did that now honestly i wouldn't be able to move for three weeks it would be a three-week recovery i tried a mickey's and started dry heaving because it's (laughs) it's not good it's not good at all not good no Um, i don't what it's malt liquor yeah yes it's it's yeah yeah, it's it's malt malt liquor and and i think why we would do it is because we felt like we were getting smarter because on the mickey's it was almost like snapple facts when you open the cap you would reveal some knowledge underneath it. That's right. That's right. But we were drunk one night. We opened our wallets to do something. And we both just kind of sat there because we had noticed we each had a cutout from the newspaper of a picture of John Gotti, mob (laughs) crime boss, Jonathan Gotti. And we were like, what the fuck is this? And we just started talking about how how we love the idea that he was on the stand and he just kept telling everybody he was a plumber, even though he had on a $3,000 suit. <laughs> just incredible. Incredible. Just, just a very interesting character. I don't even know what was going through my mind at the time, but I had him in my wallet and so did you. And we were uh, kindred spirits, brother. <laughs> kindred spirits I know. Weird. I, and I remember, I remember going back after that to claim jumper to work and just being like, does anyone here have a picture of John Gotti in their wallet? Cause I needed to get to the bottom of it. I was like, is this a big thing for people our age? And let me tell you something. It was not. Oh, nobody. Yeah. Nobody. No one else. Ha- everyone looked at me like, who the fuck is John Gotti dude? <laughs> and it's like, okay, I get it. <laughs> you know, I found a photo. So I was cleaning out my storage. I had a storage for like 15 years, just full of crazy stuff that I had accumulated. And I finally cleaned it out because I'm like, all right, enough of this. And I found old photos. One of them was that photo of us drinking Mickey's green grenades with the guitar and the harmonica at that fire pit. I literally just found it. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. That's so long ago. I know. It's just to think about. Because you used to come all the way into Rancho Cucamonga again. And we remember to go to that pizza shop and sing karaoke. I do. I'll never forget it. It was, it's actually scarred me for life. Like I'm afraid to go sing karaoke now because of it. (laughs) (laughs) But I I don't have the voice that you do. People don't know that Chad does the most incredible Stevie Wonder. You wouldn't imagine it, but it's like, it's incredible. You should probably, can I put you on the spot? Well, can we all the, no, all the listeners uh, know that I sing. I sing a lot on the podcast. Right. It was actually so much that we had a live show for Christmas and the listeners came up with a drinking game. And one of the things was you had to drink when I sing and people were drunk 10 minutes in because it was a hall. <laughs> I was just singing my ass off. Right. Um, yeah, they that was thing, but I don't know if they know you do Stevie wonder like, a <laughs> like a G. So I'm just throwing that out there because I think it's important that people know and also that story about you doing the swimming thing doesn't surprise me at all. And that's, that's another thing, bro, is that you are like the silent assassin when it comes to competitive 
anything competitive <laughs> because you don't talk a lot of smack until you're in the middle of it. And then you do just because it's fun. Sure. But dude, you're the one person of all my friends that can consistently beat me in literally anything. Like even chance I'll win on, you know, with some people, but with you, bro, doesn't matter if we're throwing a football into a trash can or playing ping pong. Oh, I you are just <laughs> ruthless. And I don't, it's the competitive spirit in you. I just, you're a champ. Well, that's very nice of you to yeah. say. That's People aren't going to like that you're you, complimenting buddy. me, but that's okay. Well, now what um, I remember at this pizza place when we were seeing karaoke, it was, I can't remember, it was like a $10 pizza and you got a free pitcher of beer or something. And I asked for two glasses and they made me, they were like, you have to get his ID too. And then number, I tried to give them my ID for you. And they were like, this is you clearly. And then I said that I was your legal guardian and they still wouldn't give me the glass. I'm like, I'm actually his legal guardian. So he can, he can drink. Oh shit. So then I come back to Minnesota and we're always chatting, always keeping in touch. And one of the next times I come back is when uh, Matt Damon and uh, Ben Affleck are up for a Grammy, or excuse me, an Oscar. That'd be impressive if they were up for a Grammy. <laughs> it's like, these guys are killers. But we came back for the Grammy celebration because you and I had always talked about, oh man, we should write something, we should do this. Um, I mean, maybe even before that, we went to all the locations from Swingers. I mean, you just used to bring me everywhere. You were the kind of the guy where I'd come to LA and then I'd be like, hey, show me fun stuff. I live in the frozen north and you would bring me to all these places. That's right. We would adventure around. Um, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, I'm a, I'm a tourist here for 15 years, basically. You know, it was only sure, after right. like year 16 that I was like, <laughs> okay, I guess I'm kind of from here. So, um, you know, and so I would just seek out these, these cool places. Um, and that, that's the thing with LA is that there's a lot of cool stuff around. I had a chip on my shoulder about the city for a while, but, um, you know, but if you seek it out a little bit, this, it's a really cool city. So. Yeah, there are nice places. And I was the same way when I would go out there, I'd be like, oh, it's Hollywood and it's the hustle and the bustle. But when you get to go to all these fun places that really just locals know, I mean, it's fantastic. Now, one of my favorite things that happened when we were uh, when we were out there for the Oscars is we went to all these hotels and tried to be kind of paparazzi esque people. Um, you were going around the corner and you got bumped into very hard. Do you remember who did that? Oh, I do. I, it was a rough bump. He was, he was also quite sturdy. <laughs> <laughs> and so for those of you that don't know, when, as, soon as, as soon as Christian saw me, because we don't see each other all the time, but um, he goes, ooh, looking sturdy, which is Hollywood <laughs> for your fat. No, no, <laughs> not at all sturdy you're looking strong you're strong you're a healthy boy i, I was just gonna say <laughs> do you remember yes. when we okay of course you yeah. do we we were at this acting class christian brought me to it i was terrified fucking terrified and uh he, he well, hold on. It. i'm sorry i want to interrupt you because we were i just want to say why we were there we were there more to just have fun and like, right. not because we were like oh we want to be very serious actors like we were just Correct. like let's let's do this we're in la let's let's try this so i just want to want to clarify that sure yeah. Sure. And there was the teacher there looked at you and I, did he put his hand on your shoulder? No, no, no. He was like, you know, very serious and very proper. And he just looked around the room and 
took deep breaths through his <laughs> nose and like he would just survey the crowd from a distance and say, yes, yes, very nice hair. Yes, yes, uh, good, yes, nice and tall. And then he landed on me for some reason and just said, healthy boy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I immediately thought, oh, fuck, I'm going to need a ride home because Christian's going to be on the Creepy, couch. right? In <laughs> retrospect, how creepy is that? <laughs> but at the time, I was very proud. I was like, yes, healthy boy. <laughs> oh, I know. And I think yeah. the reason I made fun of it is because I was like, he looked at me once and then just passed over. And I was like, ah, what's my thing? Well, I, I don't even get a thing. I got the healthy boy because I was standing next to you. Because, you know, it's all about, you know, like, what's oh, the no. contrast? And he looked at oh, you right. and he looked at me. Juxtaposition. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> like, I wouldn't I wouldn't have gotten anything if I wasn't standing right next to you. But he looked at you and then he looked at me and it's like, oh, yes, okay. Healthy boy. <laughs> yes. For, so for, for listeners that don't, I mean, uh, I go through these phases where I've been healthy. I've looked healthy. I don't know until I was about 20. And then late 20s, I got healthy again. And then that lasted for three or four years. And that's been it. So if you've ever seen a picture and you're like, well, this doesn't make sense. Trust me. If you, There's been so many years of my life. If you were standing next to me, you would get healthy boy. <laughs> Healthy boy. Uh, so not true. You're a stud, you're a stud, bro. So, who so who ran into you? James Bond. Yeah, Bond, Mr. Sean Connery himself. And two things I noticed right away. Well, actually, well, three. First thing, of course, you notice is that holy shit, it's fucking Sean Connery that just right. literally shoulder checked me. And then <laughs> the very next thought through your head is, wow, he's really bald. And then the next thought is, <laughs> wow, he's really short because, you know, you see Sean Connery in movies and, you know, he's yeah. strapping and he, you, think, you think he's really tall and, you know, he's got a full head of hair. But no, guy was bald as a bat and probably three or four inches shorter than me. And I'm not a big dude. And yeah, he was maybe buck 40 when he was svelte. Yeah, right. 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 I mean, he had to have been. Yeah. And I, I don't know, but, but nonetheless, he packed a punch. I mean, he, he hit, he checked me pretty good. And then he just, do you me. remember what you said when he said, excuse me, are you okay? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I said nothing because I was just staring at James Bond. Like, did I say something? I don't remember. Maybe I, maybe I just made this up in my head, but I remember you saying, uh, I'm a little shaken, but not stirred. <laughs> That's way too clever for me to. Is that possible? Do. No. Well, so I made, so but I don't tell this story to did anyone, I? I so don't I don't know. know. Maybe I think you did. I mean, it kind of rings a bell now that you're saying it. I yeah, oh. I remember looking around and everyone was like, "Oh shit, that's really funny." <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Who so knows? I need to go backwards because I need to talk about um, uh, something else. I need to okay. talk about. When you guys came to get me from Rancho Cucamonga, one of the other times, but this time you brought me to the, uh, was it the 20th? It had to have been the 20th, right? Because 75 to 95. Yeah. So 20th anniversary. Wait, when? I think it might have been 25th. That, that, that makes sense. Does that add up? Then it, it was That'd be 2000 then, right? Well, it was 76. So yeah. Um, so 2000, well, maybe, maybe it was, I, all I know is you guys came, oh, 76. No, it was 20 because 20, 20th. because I was living in Rancho Cucamonga and I was 21. So that, that makes sense. So by the way, everyone's like, 
oh wow chad doesn't normally st stammer this much it's like wow we're not editing this motherfuckers <laughs> so you, you came to get me and you brought me to the 20th anniversary of the film rocky and it, it's our favorite movie i mean um for your 40th i sent you the book uh that rocky reads to adrian in the hospital i mean the sheriff of Burroughs so, county it's on the shelf yeah. right, right behind me yeah so so um we both again a surprise surprise but had a love for the movie rocky and we'd watch it all the time and um and they got me a ticket and brought me to the 20th anniversary of it. And what was really cool is you watch the movie and then the cast members come out on stage and there's a Q&A. Just, just crazy. And do you remember what we did before, before that? Like during the day before the big show? Like running around the street with a recorder? Just interviewing <laughs> yeah. random people? Yes, of course. We were telling people that we were uh, a new segment on Comedy Central called uh, man in the crowd That's and right. we were just interviewing people to ask them if they knew anything about rocky and and that tape is still somewhere i don't i don't know where but i guarantee it's somewhere oh it's somewhere um and it was just fascinating because we got to see uh balboa we got to see actually sylvester stallone we got to see burt young we got to see talia shire uh, and we walked Talia Shire to her car, and I'm going to admit this, and this could get us canceled, but maybe against her will. No, she was totally into it because you told her, you flattered her a little bit. You told her you had a crush on her ever since you were a little sure. kid, and she sure. he responded to that very warmly. And she's like, come on and walk with me. She was she was a sweetheart. She was she was amazing. She uh, was really lovely. And I told, and, and I was on uh, James Corden, with her son Jason Schwartzman, right. And so, if you don't know who Jason Schwartzman and he, Jason, oh, here we go. Jason Schwartzman is. Um, he has one of, the, in my opinion, the best lines in cinematic history when he is a, a love rival of um, Luke and uh, Luke Wilson. And Luke Wilson is a doctor, and he comes straight from work. And Jason Schwartzman goes. Uh, nice nurse's outfit and luke wilson goes these are or scrubs and he goes oh are they i love that line so much he's great i love short yeah man. by the way but, why but are you in, not drinking Will you, can you drink with me oh yeah i got it right here okay i got it right here i've been drinking i've just been okay. while you're talking yeah. i've been doing most of the talking so you've yeah, had more chance I, to drink <laughs> i appreciate that um so i go up to schwartzman at cordon and i go hey uh i walked your mom to her car just like a fucking out of the blue lunatic, <laughs> like a lunatic, right. like I'm doing yo mama jokes <laughs> out of the blue. Just like yo mama so fat, I had to walk her to her car. I mean, ri just ridiculous shit. And then he goes, "What?" And I go, "Oh yes." Should I start from the beginning? Oh my god! You got to set that he, one up a little bit. He started laughing super hard, and and which which was nice. But um, yeah, so we end up meeting all these all the Rocky people. I mean, that was like legendary day for me. It, that was incredible, man. I mean, Sly sat literally in the row behind us. We got to watch Rocky with Sly right behind us, and then um, yeah, and then I just you know ran up to him after the. The screening so i can get an autograph <laughs> yeah. from my mom because you know that's you know that's what good sons do absolutely and, um, and he was super cool about it and um yeah man that was an epic day that was a very special 
special moment. Yeah, I mean, speaking of really cool celebrities that we've met, Robin Williams, I don't know if you're at Father's Day, Billy Crystal was sick and he had to go back to his trailer and Robin Williams just sat out with everybody on that grassy knoll. Yeah. Where were we? Where were we filming? That was that? The Is Greek, it the LA Bowl? The Greek theater. The Greek theater. Okay. Yeah. And then he just sat out on this grassy knoll and hung out with everybody. Yeah. I mean, this is like one of the greatest comedians of all time. And he just sat out and he was doing like Mrs. Doubtfire and answering questions. And um, it was really, really neat. I mean, it's, it's so fun. They say don't meet your heroes. And I don't know if those two are necessarily heroes, but still they're humongous in the world of show business. And to see those guys just sit and talk and and hang out and, and and be grateful that they have the life that they have is was really fascinating to me. And even one more, he didn't just take questions, but he would literally go like straight up to people and be like, hey, tell me about yourself. Where are you from? What are you about? Like he just, he was all yeah. about just being among the people, you know, and yeah. um, what a what an amazing special. I and mean, he was kind of an alien, you know, wasn't he? Absolutely. You know, like I he, mean, well, he was Mork from right, Ork. Right, literally, well, yeah. Um, but I mean, the guy was just, he was special. Yeah, he's a special yep. human being. No doubt about that. Every time I watch uh, like a Robin Williams documentary, they had one on HBO recently, and it was just the everyone had so so many good things to say. I mean, you hear like, oh, Robin Williams stole my bit and did this and this. And it's like, I don't know. Maybe his brain was working so fast that he didn't realize it or whatever. But to see him on some of the stages, and this is going to fluff my nuts, and I apologize, but to see him on some stages – where I've been like San Francisco punchline. I mean, I had to pause it on the airplane because I didn't need people going, is he fucking crying during a documentary? <laughs> Who cries during a documentary? Uh, I do. Yes. I cry, I cry all the time. I don't give a shit. That's amazing, man. Because if, if, if a man comes up to me and goes, oh, you fucking crying over a documentary, I go, go get a football in a trash can, bitch. Let's settle this. <laughs> Let's that's settle an, this that, fucking that, thing. That's, that's an inside joke. And you're damn right. But you know what, man? There's no shame in that. There's no shame in, in those tears because that's, oh, that's an accomplishment, man. And, you know, but is that a thing that people would say that Robin Williams took material? I didn't, I didn't know that. Is that yeah, a, I'd heard that thing? before. I'd heard that, you know, they'd play his bit and play someone else's bit. And I just can't think that consciously he would do that. No. I don't think so. I, I just wouldn't because it's not like he's going to get away with it. It's not like he's the MC stealing a headliner's joke and then using it in another town for 15 people. Right. I mean, people are going to see this fucking special. It's on HBO or whatever. So I would I, be surprised if he did it consciously. I mean, bro, we're all artists. Right? We're all pulling from the universe. We're all pulling from like life. And, sure. you know, somebody that's moving up literally a million miles a minute like Robin Williams. I mean, he's right. gathering information you know, from faster than any of us. And for him to regurgitate something that may be similar to something else, I would, I have to think that he just sure. interpreted it, you know, in his own mind, but absolutely. Who knows? You know, I also heard, I also saw in an interview that he, um, he said, they asked him why he did cocaine and he said to slow his brain down. And I thought that was a joke <laughs> until I realized what Ritalin is. And it's like, it's so Coke. So you can write People use Ritalin to study, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Yeah, so or whatever it is. Maybe there's another thing I'm trying to think no, of think that, of course, right. my, but it, it focuses you, and maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Now I need to step away from the celebrity situation, and I need to tell you about another time I came back to California, and you were taking kung fu classes. Oh, yeah. 
And I was like, well, this is a change. This is a change. Why, so why did you start taking them? Like, what was your initial jump into it? You know, I mean, my original take on going to do Kung Fu stuff was more from a spiritual angle, you know, um, obviously like, you know, I'm not going to be a cage fighter. I'm not the kind of guy that goes starting fights at bars and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I was approaching it more from an intellectual spiritual angle, something to do, um, just another sport that I can do, um, and just kind of connect to, you know, my mind and body in a different way. And I just fell in love with it right away. Um, yeah. And knowing you, that answer makes absolutely complete sense. I mean, you're not out there trying to be some ruffian. You just, yeah. I mean, you've always, you've always tried to expand your knowledge, expand your mind, expand your horizons. And, and to me, it just seems like this was a perfect fit after I, after I knew it, but initially, right? Like I hear somebody our age at the time, you had, we had to have been late twenties, mid twenties, something like that, maybe late twenties. So let's say late twenties and somebody goes, uh, I go, Hey man, you want to come out and get a drink? And they're like, Oh, sorry. I have Kung. F I have a uh, Taekwondo at the Y I'd be like, well, what in the fuck is this about? You don't have kids. Why are you starting Taekwondo right now? But when I saw you at Kung Fu, it was it. My brain completely the switch flipped because I was like, oh, because you brought me in there and you have to hold your body in a way. I was fucking flop sweating two minutes into it. <laughs> It's hard. People don't realize. I mean, it's a it's a totally different kind of a thing, um, especially. And so then can you go through the progression? Everybody here. know. I mean, I named my dog Poe. I love Kung Fu Panda. I love the history of Kung Fu. I love the idea. I mean, people that listen know that the movie Kung Fu Panda, a cartoon, helped get me through my divorce. <laughs> There's so much knowledge in that movie. And I know it's a kid's movie, but there is so much knowledge. And I think of it as like a Confucius type, but, but just like, uh, Kung Fu. I mean, yeah. that's it. Yeah. It's uh, so I'm going to let you, I'm going to shut the fuck up and drink <laughs> and I'm going to let you kind of talk about the progression, up. but I'm going to jump in. Yeah. I'm going to jump in if you, cause here's the thing I know about you too, is that you don't like to toot your own horn, but I do want you to get to like the, the, all the stuff. Yeah. Well, I am definitely my least favorite subject. That's for sure. So, um, but I, oh, I'll, let me start. Let me start. We were in Newport beach. Oh, that's where you live. Newport, not Newport, Huntington, beach. right? Newport, Newport. Yeah. So we were in Newport beach and we were, um, we were out drinking and you had been in Kung Fu for a while. And I said, show me a Kung Fu move. <laughs> and you go, all right. So you want to try to punch me with your left hand. And I did. And before I knew it, I had a fat lip. <laughs> Yeah, there, that was after quite a few drinks, wasn't it? Um, yep. It's like yeah. you made me go slow motion and you went full on fucking Kung Fu <laughs> to my face. Which... Don't ask, bro. Don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's that's the number one lesson of Kung Fu is you ask your opponent to first punch you in slow motion. No, that's more like you kicking my ass and like 500 different things previous to that where I'm like, all right, he's going to punch me for real. I got to be ready. <laughs> so I'm coming full on. So, Smart move. You know, but no, but you make a really interesting point about the Kung Fu Panda movie, you know, even though it's a cartoon and whatever, but, you know, out of all the martial arts, you know, I think Kung Fu and um, Aikido has this a lot because Aikido was founded by a very spiritual master um, in specifically for that reason, for spiritual reasons, not really 
you know, as a fighting art, but a self-defense art. But um, Kung Fu is the oldest of all of the martial arts. Um, you know, like you take karate, which everybody's heard of. You know, karate stemmed from when the Chinese were in Okinawa and they trained people and then they left and then the you know Japanese turned that into karate. They put their own spin on it. So it became sure. very special and unique to Japanese culture. But um, but the root of it, you know, comes from um, Chinese Kung Fu. And and so anyways, there's a really deep and rich history of, of Kung Fu that not only is rooted in self-defense and martial arts and fighting, because that was a big part of it, but also in the preservation of ancient wisdom and ancient knowledge <clears throat> mm -hmm. things like feng shui that we know of that you you wouldn't necessarily link into kung fu but it all come from the same root and the same heart um but specifically health and the way that the body works and the way that you know we've all heard of chi um and the way that the chi flows in the body and the way that you keep your organs healthy and a lot of the movements in kung fu are connected to um different regions of the body to keep the chi flowing because the chinese so yeah so it's like you, have you ever seen one of those foot maps yeah mm -hmm. right yeah. so you can press on a part of the foot and it's it's better for like it's a spleen massage exactly basically yeah and so right. you're saying you're saying you're using your entire body to do the exact same thing that's exactly right yep and so that okay. these movements are not only tied to self-defense or or um you know martial arts but also to general longevity and health and that's one thing that i've been attracted to forever i, I want to live forever you know i want i want to live sure. i want to be healthy and live forever i want to see everything and explore everything and so um those were kind of the ideas that really attracted me to kung fu and then um and then it was just finding the right teacher and so i spent probably yep. two years <clears throat> taking classes and just interviewing or talking to teachers and until i found the right person that I thought this is who I want to kind of guide me on this journey. And I found the right guy and it just ended up being praying mantis Kung Fu. Mm -hmm. And, yep. um, and then I just started training and I just literally just poured myself into it, um, and practiced as much as I possibly could. And, you know, even though I'm not, you know, like I said, I'm not really interested in, in fighting. It became a very, you know, the, the analogy that I always use is that I would never want to really go to war and you know shoot another uh person but to play paintball is really fun you know <laughs> and so it's like i i yeah like sure paintball is. is fucking awesome so like i don't want to really i don't want to go down the street and start picking fights with people like i'm not interested in that but for right. like if you train martial arts and you and i were like okay let's go on the mat and let's like punch each other in the face a little bit knowing that we're not coming from you know, we're not trying to hurt each other. We're just trying to challenge each other and trying to right. work on our art. Yeah, sure. You might get a fat lip, but you know, you're not going to, it's not about hurting somebody else. And um, right. when you play paintball, do you ask the person shooting you to do it in slow motion? <laughs> right. You son of a bitch. Uh, I never say <laughs> slow motion. I know. No. I'm, I'm just I'm hamming it up for sure. Uh, but that's really funny because I mean, look, that's like the foot, what is it? The foot fist way, uh, you know, uh, what is that? <laughs> you know, I mean like the, the joke all the time is, you know, like punch me just, okay, go ahead and punch me. No, no, not with the right hand with the left hand. Okay. Not, not that, not, not that high, a little bit lower. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And then, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. it's like, and, and right. like so much of like, you know, and I've seen it time and time again is these, these teachers are like showing you these, you know, the death touch and like, you know, the perfect situation 
And I've been in just a handful of fights in my entire life and nothing is ever, it's chaos, you know? Sure. And so, um, and so like, again, going back to your original question, like where it all started, it was like, you know, I'm not trying to like learn how to break bones and how to fight and stuff like that. It was more of a spiritual journey. And then the challenge to challenge myself of, you know, if something were to happen, can I defend myself or, um, you know, the challenge of perfecting my body and my art and, and this and that. So anyway, that was the start of it. So, and that launched yeah. me and, and not to mention the fact that, as you know, I'd love to travel the world and I love to experience yep. other cultures. And this was a way for me, you know, some white kid from New York to be able to enter into another culture because sure. to learn, I mean, you could take Kung Fu classes here uh, at, you know, of course it's open to anybody, but to be able to go to China with and be absorbed and accepted in other, uh, you know, Chinese Kung Fu schools and to be able to tour around China practicing your martial art, it gives you a window into a culture that you may not otherwise have as just a, a tourist, you know? And, and you have to have a basically a divine appreciation for this and you have to be good enough. They're not just going to let, you know, Wigglesworth in there swinging their <laughs> arms like a like one of those sprinklers when you were a kid right. you know, that, that went around and oh, the wet willy or whatever it was right. called. But, uh, but I mean, so so you have to appreciate it. You have to love it and you have to know what you're doing to get accepted. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, I think for me, like my the, my whole life, you know, is I just work really hard. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know that that I was good enough or anything like that, but I just I I was passionate about it and I poured my heart into it. And because I did that, I was able to get to a level that was acceptable, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, when, when yeah. you said, when you said I really poured myself into Kung Fu, I was like, yeah, no shit. But I know that because we've been, you know, great friends forever and ever and ever and ever. But um, the listeners don't know that if, if he, if, if Christian does something, expect not to see him for three months until he's mastered it. I mean, that's, that's how I feel truly. Um, and people are gonna be like, Oh, you guys sucked each other's dick the whole episode. Fuck you. Well, no, I'm just, I'm trying to explain where we're coming from. Right. So I don't know, man, I just try really hard. That's all, you know, I don't know about master anything, but definitely try really hard. And I think people respond to earnestness. You know, if you're, if you're of trying course. and you know, like we would travel around, you know, not just Hong Kong, but we would go into mainland China and I'm one of, you know, really the only white dude there. And, and they, they're taking shots at me because I am the white guy, you know what I mean? So they're like, Oh, of we're going gonna to show, you know, this guy what's up. And, um, and I think that I don't think I was particularly talented or skilled, but I was earnest, you know, and I really tried and I tried to learn and be open you know, Bruce Lee says, empty your cup. And I feel like I just approached every situation with an empty cup to say, you know, I'm, I'm willing to accept what I'm learning and what I'm being exposed to. But, uh, but the experiences were incredible, man. Like we would go to these small towns in China and because there's fucking billion people in China, like right. we would arrive and it would be a small like Kung Fu, uh, you know, contingent that we would be arriving from Hong Kong. And there's a big separation between Hong Kong Kung Fu and mainland China Kung Fu, because after the cultural revolution, all the masters, they outlawed Kung Fu, right? So in the cultural revolution, um, I guess it was Mao outlawed Chinese Kung Fu. And so all the masters had to go down to Hong Kong in order to continue their art. But some of the other masters 
Yes. Do you know why he outlawed it? I, because was was he scared that it was going to people were going to appreciate that more than him? Yeah, maybe, and also to rebel against the government. Um, okay. You okay. know, and um, and so um, and so the the masters went to Hong Kong, and then you know the, the masters that stayed in mainland China they went underground and they would teach you know, in these like underground societies. But what happened was you would have these lineages of like, like I studied praying mantis Kung Fu. And so you would have praying mantis masters from mainland China and praying masters in Hong Kong that were Kung Fu brothers. Like we call it a family, right? They were Kung Fu brothers, which means they had mm -hmm. the same Kung Fu master, but because they were separated, it became like language and it would evolve. And so after, over time, the, the Kung Fu masters in, in Hong Kong would be teaching but certain moves would change. And then the Kung Fu masters sure. in mainland, certain moves would change. And so for a long time, these lineages would kind of would diverge. And so now, yep. because there's communication between the two, um, it's important for these two branches to continue to meet each other and to train. And so we would go into mainland China as like ambassadors, basically, to say we're representing oh, Hong nuts. Kong style praying mantis kung fu but that's a big responsibility you know yeah and is this is this because there was if you look at it as a family tree coming from the top to the bottom it was just one line for so long right yeah right mm -hmm. and so now they're trying to make sure this doesn't they're like shrub out they're trying to keep it pretty close to that line yes that's right and okay. the, the people that are serious about it like the real real kung fu they're trying to keep it as pure and as, as legit as possible. Um, okay. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we would go and we would arrive in these towns and we'd get off the bus and there would be, and I, I kid you not, probably, I don't know, 5,000 people wow. greeting us, but they would be lined up shoulder to shoulder across about five feet away from each. So there'd be people facing each other. And then shoulder to shoulder, imagine a path. So yeah. you've got people, uh, Kung Fu students facing each other about five feet away from each other. And then a line of other Kung Fu students, they were all shoulder to shoulder creating this winding path of human beings wow. that we would walk this is, between. This is before COVID, before COVID. Yeah, before COVID. And we would walk <laughs> between them. And of course, because you know, like it wasn't just a straight line. It was literally like this beautiful arcing like turn. And they're of all course. clapping and chanting in unison. And we would arrive to these, uh, these towns and they would greet us this way. And then we would sit down for a banquet. And when I say banquet, I mean literal feasts. So my Kung Fu family, we would sit at one table and there would be like five or six tables in this banquet hall of all these Kung Fu students from this town that studied this, this particular martial art. And we would sit there and we would eat ducks and like you know chicken heads like the craziest shit and we'd be drinking so they would put bottles of what they call like dragon spit right which was like the english sure. translation of it and you have to toast each master that's there so you got to drink it and then you have to toast each head of the table and then each table gets up and toast each other table and so not only do we have to toast each other table, but each other table is coming to us to toast us. So by the time you're finished eating, you've literally probably had, I don't know, 20, 25 shots. Then you're eating this crazy, you know, delicious Chinese, like authentic Chinese food. 
And then we all go out either into the field or up to the rooftops and literally just punch each other in the face for about two hours. <laughs> and it's like the craziest experience. And they all want a piece of the white dude. You know what I mean? They're all like, oh, I'm, we're coming for the, the, the white guy. And it's, it's, the, it's just an incredible cultural experience. Like, It's really interesting to find out that the Chinese are just rednecks. It's huge, <laughs> huge barbecues, tons of booze, and then like, what'd you say, Billy? That's Let's it. go up to the roof, you son of a bitch. You don't finger my sister like that. You know what? Punching we're, him in the face. Just so another funny. example of the fact that we could be worlds away, but we're all the same, man. That's exactly. Oh, I mean, and that's absolutely true. That's yeah. like when I hear people say, um, you know, I'll hear somebody say something racist and I go, you know, what's interesting to me. You don't know anyone from that group. Right. Like I, I know you and I know that you don't know anyone from the group you're making fun of right now. Right. And I bet you there are 70% that are just like you. Absolutely. All they want to do is is have fun, party, drink a little, punch each other in the face. I mean, it really <laughs> is. It's just, I it's crazy. Take care of their family, the people they care. Yeah, I mean, dude, we're all, literally, we're all the same, man. I mean, that's one thing. I've seen so many crazy corners of this world. And, uh, you know, we we have so much more in common than we have differences, you know? And I just wish- Right, I mean, yeah, yeah. if you remember like the the, the busing situation, for schools to try to integrate. Right. If we would do that with countries, I'm telling you, you would be, it would be just insane. Cause you, you meet someone from a, let's say like a race that you've never met. You don't know. I live in Northern Minnesota. Right. There's, it is fucking white up here. <laughs> and you, you know, if you meet someone from a race that you, you have negative thoughts about, and then you just realize like, Oh yeah, it's fucking great. But but you don't know anyone right. from the groups. So you're like, well, here's what I've heard right. and here's what I've seen on movies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but isn't that basically what the rest of the world does? I mean, you go to Europe and it's like they're all right. connected with railways and it's basically, yeah, you got Germany and France and Italy and they're all mixing. That's why they speak five languages and yeah. and whatnot. And um but it's true. I mean, I was in I, got, I don't want to dive into politics, but, you know, I mean, I was in Georgia. I was filming a TV show and there was this guy. We were in somebody's house. We were shooting this thing. And one of the family members was kind of there watching us. And he was giving me the stink eye from like literally we got there at eight in the morning sure. until like 1 p.m. when we finally broke for lunch. The guy's been giving me the dirty eye from the minute I got there. And I finally, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. And I look like a prick. I get we're it. literally. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the, let me set it up though. We're in the Appalachian mountains in Georgia. Right. And so, yep. um, and so that's, you know, whatever that means, but this guy, and so I finally go up to him as we break for lunch, I'm like, Hey man, I, I, re I extend my hand, you know, and I'm like, um, everything. Okay. You know, cause he's, this is dude is sitting literally standing in the corner, like a lurker, just shooting me evil eye from day one. So I extend my hand. He won't shake it. And he just looks at me dead in the eye. He goes, you one of them liberals from, California. And I'm like, taken back. I'm like, wow, that's, you know, not what I expected. And I yeah. was like, well, you know, I'm from LA. Yes. I'm like, have you been to LA? He goes, I don't got to, I don't have got to go there. Why do I got to go to LA? All them liberals are in LA. I'm like, well, you've never been there. How do you know what LA is like? He goes, I don't, I don't got to know. I don't got to go. And uh, anyway, I don't have to elaborate on that point, but the point is sure. that he had all these ideas 
of what Hollywood people were like or LA people were like, having never been there. And sure. I just, I, I told him, like, hey, why don't we go grab some lunch? Let's sit down and let's talk. He goes, I don't want to talk to you. I'm like, all right, well, you know what? You have a good day, man, because that's all I have to say to you. But it's like <laughs> that mentality of, you know, I want to, I have an idea about other people and, but I've never been there. I've never interacted with those people before. Right. Right. Um, and they're just close. So anyway, I don't know where and we're going. And I, I do yeah. think, I do think devil's advocate, we can switch that exactly around and say, there are people in Los Angeles that have never been to Appalachia and they have, they think it's just brothers and sisters fucking nonstop. A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so it, it is, it is flipped and that's, what's too bad about it. That's what I'm saying. Send people from Appalachia over to LA, LA over to Appalachia, or even better yet, country to country. I think it would be fascinating. I think that's the greatest idea in the world. My experience there was incredible. The people, everyone else, other than that dude, were sure. so welcoming, so kind. Yeah. I mean, they cooked me food. They invited me into their homes. Um, it was the one of the greatest experiences I've, I've ever had. But um, I, I know that you love to do that kind of stuff. You love meeting new people. You love getting uh, different ideas and seeing what people are thinking because I think that makes a person more well-rounded, right? And so I'm not letting you off the hook on uh, Kung Fu yet, but I do want to ask you about a travel story, but I want, can you finish Kung Fu? Can you tell me what ended up happening? With what? In, in Kung Fu. So, so you, you had to test. Oh yeah. When you were in China and you had to fight masters in kung fu oh yeah oh, oh no for each level um that you know that you're supposed to achieve i guess um you know i i, I guess let me rephrase that so once you become a closed door disciple of a master it's not about achieving levels it's not about getting belts or stripes or like you know this level what's a closed door disciple Closer disciple just means that basically you have a master that is recognized in the lineage of your particular style of whatever martial art that you're training. And, um, and a closed door disciple means that you are learning things, um, the entire style. You're going to learn everything that is known in this style from the martial arts side of it to the healing side of it to the ointments sure. like the Jiao, the stuff that, you know, the healing part of it. Um, you know, there's, I'm not sure why it started, but you know, there were things that were taught to, to the regular practitioner. And then there were special things that were taught to people that were truly dedicated, you know? Sure. Um, I think that probably just goes back to antiquity times. You know, they were very, was careful. one of them. There's no secret ingredient. There, That's from Kung Fu Panda. Oh, is that right? Listen, <laughs> and I'm not shitting on your thing. Yeah. I'm being serious. Yeah. That's a huge thing. That's I have uh, a scroll up on my wall at my house when you walk down the stairs yeah that is written in mandarin and it says there's no secret ingredient i'm telling you this fucking movie changed but, my world but i mean that's isn't that true with everything like there is absolutely there is no secret ingredient you know yeah it's, like yeah you know um in anything forget it whether it's kung fu or life or, or whatever it is that you're trying to you know you're endeavoring to achieve there is no secret ingredient um but um but yeah so Anyway, so like what we were talking about, like this testing thing, it's not about belts or achievement. It's more about right. proving to your peers that you have, you're worthy of uh, a level of achievement. So in other words, if you're going to call yourself a master, which I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm definitely not a Kung Fu master. 
But if you're going to call yourself a master, then anyone can say they're a master. But if the people in your world can watch you test, watch you perform and say, yeah, he's a master, then that's what really matters, right? And so when we would train and we would level up or, um, you know, test, if you want to call it that, it's not about achieving a level um, in martial arts. It's more about gathering all of your peers and gathering the people that are mm -hmm. prominent in this particular field and then demonstrating what you're capable of so that you have social proof that says, okay, you're um, a, a Sifu or you're a Kung Fu master or you're a sensei or whatever you want to call it, whatever the martial art is. And because we can give each other titles all day long, sure. but unless your peers say you're right. legit, what does it really matter? And so that that's the whole thing. So yeah, so we would travel around the world and the country and you know, every year or two after training, we would have to do these, these levels or these testings where we would have to fight other masters and other students. <laughs> right. And I mean, it, it, it got pretty intense at times, you know, I mean, there were, there were like serious injuries. I mean, people are really, I mean, you're really going for it, you know? Um, of course. Well, you're trying to earn the respect of your peers. That's exactly right. So it's not about earning the title. It's about earning the respect of your peers. And uh, absolutely. Nobody cares about uh, a fucking ribbon. Right. Or I want, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, and I also want, I mean, Yes to yourself, but here's here's where my brain goes. <laughs> I want someone who I respect in this world to respect me back. Right. Sure. Absolutely. You know? I wish. Yeah. I mean, you know, I wish I cared less about what other people think, but that's. <laughs> but if I'm being honest, then absolutely, that's true. Good luck, <laughs> I my want friend. People to like my movies. I want people to like, you know, to be like, yes, he's a good mark. You know. <laughs> yeah. I shower with my shirt on, so fucking forget it. It's, uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> Are you still going to the beach with um, high tops and and, uh, and and t shirts and jeans? Or nope, no, good, nope. Yeah. Now I actually I show my legs a little bit. I have I have beautiful calves. <laughs> I have beautiful calves from holding these tits up. That's beautiful. Um, so last thing I want to get into, and I thanks for doing this. I know that when I asked you about this, you were like, "Are you serious?" I just listen. It's like right now we have an opportunity. My co-host is is on leave and, and he'll be coming back hopefully sooner than later. And I just kind of want to have this stuff. And, and my first thought was um, I want to get you on for a course for your birthday. But your stories are fascinating to me. And here's here's one that is ridiculously fascinating. And what I've been doing to the other guests is I've been doing this thing where I use a morning radio voice to introduce them. Because a lot of times comedians will have to go in and they'll have to give a list of their bits. And then it's as if these radio hosts are pulling stuff out of thin air. I mean, so, so you're like, as a listener, you have to be thinking, how the fuck would he ever know that? <laughs> right. So I'm going to give it to you right now. Okay, hit me, hit me. Hey everybody, this is Moose in the Morning. It's a Monday, fun day, drive time. We got Christian Everhard in the hot seat. Hey, that was in sync. Bye, bye, bye. If you ask me, that's one too many buys, which is how my cousin Curtis describes the military right now. Hey, uh, Christian in the hot seat. Tell me about the time you went to Cambodia. Oh boy, Moose, let me tell you something. Cambodia, <laughs> first of all... <laughs> I mean, I could talk for hours about this trip to Cambodia. Um, it was bananas. Uh, first of all, yeah. 
I mean, we can, I guess we can hone in on the wedding, which I think is what you're, you're. Yeah. Really so specifically to. I'm talking about, you got off the plane. I got off the plane. You hired a, uh, driver but on a motorcycle right? yeah right i mean you okay. have so i first of all i knew nothing i just bought a ticket literally to <laughs> cambodia i had zero plans there was no like expedia itinerary i was like yeah i had a small bag i had just finished shooting a show in thailand and i packed up this tiny little bag and i'm like i'm going to fucking cambodia i had two weeks before i was meeting my girlfriend in vietnam and i was like all right i gotta kill two weeks what am i gonna do I'm going to Cambodia. So I just nice. packed up like a little go bag and um, it was zero plans. I knew I wanted to see Angle Wat. That was it. That was like okay. the, the end goal. So I landed in Cambodia, which in and of itself was an amazing experience. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, well, I don't know where to go. Um, so it's time to start talking <laughs> to locals. So I just would follow the locals and I had two options. There was one guy with a car and there was like three dudes with motorbikes. And I'm like, well, it's way more interesting if I take the motorbike guy because A, there's two of us. And B, I got a bag. I want to see, like, how is he going to navigate this? So I go to the motorbike right. guy and this guy's name, his name was Kong. I shit you not, like Kong, like King Kong. And that's what okay. I call So Kong. So I, I go to Kong. I didn't know him at the time, but I said, uh, I want to go see Angle Watt. And he says, no problem sir come with me he grabs my bag throws it on the handlebars i jump on back and we literally beeline it into the jungle <laughs> in cambodia and i was just, and like he didn't oh, like God. there was no pause he was just like bang we're going and by the way this is not like a highly touristed spot like i would there was not like twenty thousand sure. tourists landing so we get on this motorbike, we take off, um, he takes me out and like, as we're like riding, um, I tell him like, I'm hungry. So he pulls off and he, and he goes, he says, where do you want to go? I'm like, I want to go where you eat. I want to go, I want to eat real Cambodian food. I want to go where the taxi drivers eat. I want to, you know, so he takes me, we take a little. Yeah, I, 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 there, I know there are a lot of people that do this, but that's one thing. Another thing you and I have in common is I don't want to go to like I almost want to tell people no white people. That's it. Yeah. And, and, and it sounds shitty, but it's like, I don't want to go where there are other white people. I want to go to where I want to go to where they're serving food that they use on survivor as a fucking challenge. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I want to experience this. Yeah. I mean, no offense, nothing wrong with white people, but I just, I'm around them all the time. Right. This right. time, right. this experience, I want to be around, you know, I want to do the Cambodian thing. So, yeah. Um, and so he's like, are you sure? And I'm like, I am more sure than I've ever been in my life. Let's do it. Yep. So we, um, so he takes me to this like taxi stand side okay. of the road thing where they literally, and I mean, I love animals, but they sure. slaughter, they, they're, they just killed a cow and they're carving meat off of this cow and they're serving it raw. And he's like, here oh, you wow. go, we call it. And he goes, we call it go. That's the name of it, go. And so they're eating, they're feeding, he's feeding me raw meat. And so I immediately said, we are kin, we're, we're, we are brothers, we're brothers. So we start eating raw meat, drinking Cambodian beers. Um, and then uh, he takes me into Angkor Wat. Long story short, we explore all of Angkor Wat. He takes me to the best hotel, you know, that he could find or the, the most fun hotel that he could find. 
um, we spent about three or four days. I said, listen, Kong, I, how much can I give you to just be, I just want you to be my guide to Cambodia. And he's like 20 bucks. I'm like, I can do that. So yeah. I give him like basically the US equivalent of 20 bucks up front. Of course, I, I gave him a little bit more after that. But um, and I'm and and so for the next week, this guy just basically took me around to the best spots of Angkor Wat. And then one day he texts me and he says, I'm so sorry, I can't go with you today. Um, I have to attend a wedding. And so I text, I immediately, I don't even text him back. I think I called him back. I'm like, Kong, what do you mean you can't go with me? Let's go to the wedding. And he's like, he's like, he's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yes, I want to go to this wedding. Can we go to this wedding? And he's like, um, yes. And I'm like, what should I wear? He goes, you know, um, just don't wear shorts, basically is what he told me. And so I throw wow. on a pair of jeans and I, I didn't have like, you know, nice clothes, so I just throw on, you know, the, the nicest shirt I had and a pair of jeans. He comes and picks me up at my hotel and we ride for three hours through the countryside of Cambodia. And he's pointing <laughs> out landmarks as we're going like, you know, 70 miles an hour on this little, uh, you know, basically moped. And he's like showing me the killing fields from the Khmer Rouge. And like, he's telling me these heartbreaking Jesus. stories and, and I'm sitting back there like eating a bun me. And I'm like, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we're cruising through the countryside, and we arrive at this traditional Cambodian wedding. By the way, I'm an unannounced guest. I don't think he told them <laughs> in jeans. I'm coming in, in jeans and t-shirts. I and, mean, listen. I, I, so for stand-up comedy, the rule is no shorts. <laughs> I don't know if stand-up comedy and a Cambodian wedding are the same thing. But. <laughs> it sounds like they might be. Uh, I guess so. And. Um, and so I arrive at this Cambodian wedding. And when I say countryside, I mean, we are literally hours by moped into the Cambodian country, mm -hmm. people that I've never met before. And I don't know what I'm going to expect, but of course we're in Southeast Asia and the greeting I get is the warmest kindest greeting nobody looks at me like who's this guy what is he doing here sure i immediately become a guest of honor and i don't want to be i just want to like sit in a corner and witness right it. no i know but yeah. like they <laughs> grab me right away and they put me with the bride and groom and i'm and i'm, I'm uncomfortable <laughs> i'm like i'm like i don't want to you know i'm not trying to steal anybody's thunder here i'm not you know and the bride oh, and groom take me under the arm and I swear to God, bro, they're taking pictures of all of us. We're dancing. They have this thing where they have like this altar and the bride and groom circumambulate the altar and, and like everyone dances and does this circle thing. I'm dancing with the bride and groom around this <laughs> altar. And now I become, obviously I was the novelty. Like there's nothing special, right? I was like the novelty of this thing. They're bringing me chicken beaks. They're bringing me snake. They're trying to be like, sure. how far is this white dude going to go? And, yeah. and we're dancing and I'm eating chicken heads and they're giving me alcohol and they we're cheersing and I'm, we're drinking like crazy. And we all became fast friends. It was the most incredible experience. Now, don't forget, I've been in Thailand for the last two and a half months shooting a TV show. I've had no haircut. I've had maybe <laughs> 20 you know, showers. 
I'm I am about as raw as could possibly be. And <laughs> but they are fully embracing me. I sat at the head table with the bride and groom. We're uh, eating the most incredible food and cheersing and um, dancing and whatever. We party into the night, into like the sunrise the next morning. Nice. And now somehow I ended up arm wrestling the entire Cambodian village for <laughs> we're now on the barter system. We, we had run out of uh, alcohol yes. and, and they're challenging me to arm wrestle battles for like my sunglasses and like, where, where's the, uh, you know, the rice wine for the village. I'm like, okay, I'll arm wrestle you for the jug of rice wine. It was, it was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. Um, but again, man, it's just people living, having a good time, caring about the people that they love. And um, oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, speaking about, of caring for the people you love, obviously, I have fluffed your nuts a ton during this episode. I care about you a ton. I love you a bunch. Happy, happiest of happy birthdays. And, uh, you know, th this is going to sound like a, a wedding toast, but I, I really, <laughs> I can't wait for 25 more years. Thank you, brother. Right back at you. Right back at you, man. Thank you. I got to go. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to that. I mean, that listen, the Kung Fu thing, his travel stories, he has about 100 more travel stories where you're just like, how are you making this up with this many details? You're a great liar, but they're, none of them are lies. They're so fantastic. Um, he went to like northern Russia one time to be in the reindeer Olympics or something where you have to wrestle a reindeer and you have to swim under ice in a frozen lake to it like a, a block that they cut out you jump in one hole and you have to swim all the way under the ice to the next hole i mean dude is uh is crazy but fascinating uh love him to death and uh really appreciate appreciate you guys listening um we do have some fantastic things coming up right this isn't going to be the chad interviews guest show we have some really fun things coming up. I talked to Sai. He seems to be feeling a little better. Going to try to get him on sporadically when we can, when he's feeling good. We also still owe you a Dan Cummins episode, and that has not been lost on us. We will absolutely get that up. And then we're going to be starting a Patreon, of course. We've promised that for the last 100 episodes. I don't even know what episode we're on. And uh, lastly... May 3rd, we are moving over to the Laugh Button Podcast Network, and we're very excited about that, to be working with those guys. They actually are partnered up with my record label at 800 Pound Gorilla and, uh, and size record label as well, and it's just, I can't wait. I can't wait. We have so, much, so many fun things happening. We just needed to get through uh, the winter, and we needed to make sure that, uh, that Sai is feeling well, and, and I think he's getting better. And uh, really looking forward to the future of the show. So thanks for hanging in there. I can't begin to tell you how much we both appreciate it. Um, all right, we'll see you next week. Hey, if you guys like this, uh, there will be a new episode next Monday and every single Monday at 8 a.m. So click the subscribe button so your phone sends it to you without having to do any work.